Hey out there in motorcycle land, welcome to episode number three of Center Stand, the motorcycle industry podcast produced by the Progressive International Motorcycle Shows. You know them as IMS. So we know that recent times have made things challenging, but it's been a pretty interesting ride for the power sports industry. Uh, we've seen a big bump in off-road vehicles, um, and we've seen uh, performance out of areas that we didn't really expect. You know, uh, as things shut down, all of a sudden motorcycling popped up. So new riders are coming in. It's a great opportunity uh, on dirt bikes, as we mentioned, but also on electric motorcycles due to their simplicity of operation. So on this episode, we're really going to be discussing how you can keep this momentum going uh, specifically how to engage in adjacent markets. And to talk about that today, I've got two fantastic guests with us. Uh, our friend Mike Cunningham of Zero Motorcycles and Colin Miller of American Honda. Mike, would you tell us briefly what you do at Zero? And Colin, I'll let you take the ball right after that. Sure. I run the sales uh, operations for Zero in, uh, in the Americas, so U.S., Canada, Central and South America. And then um, for from Colin, I, uh, I do all of the media events and kind of marketing events. So work with kind of the media as journalists to really promote uh, Honda motorcycles in general. All right. So these guys have got a lot of experience in power sports. Mike, I know you've worked with a bunch of brands. Colin, you've been around a lot of different categories. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm going to start out with, uh, we're going to go back and forth on the questions, but I'm going to start out with Colin. Um, so Honda's got a really modern history of diverse products, obviously starting with motorcycles. That was Mr. Honda's passion, right? Uh, but Honda corporate has explored a lot of different markets, specifically into different adjacencies. Can you speak to the diversity of products that have a Honda badge, not just power sports? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I mean, Honda started as a motorcycle company, like you said, but it in, you know, the last 30, 40 years has, has grown just astronomically into, of course, uh, what most people know as the automobile sector. So everything, you know, cars, trucks, um, SUVs, uh, but also we have a huge uh, power equipment division. So generators, lawnmowers and uh, related to, to power equipment. Uh, as well as uh, the power sports division, which is, you know, on off-road motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-sides, a um, lot of recreational products in those categories. So pretty much everything across the entire lineup really fills a lot of different aspects. But even on the, on the corporate side, there's Honda Jet, there's Honda Outboard Motors. There used to be Honda Watercraft. That doesn't exist anymore. Obviously, automotive sector. Um, so... Diversity is a big part of what Honda corporate has accomplished. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, Honda as an engine manufacturer has really uh, spurred all of that. So everything that we build uh, is always based around an engine of some type. Um, and kind of our, our goal is to make people's lives a little better, you know, and providing the different aspects of product. Like you said, we also have Marine and Honda Jet. Um, so it, kind of covering the whole the spectrum of anything that can operate with an engine uh, is really what we focus on. 
So get back into the power sports, which is obviously our, our dealers who are listening to us now. Um, can you speak a little bit to how dealers leverage the different products that Honda sells that they can get a hold of in a power sports dealership, sort of depending on their market? What is what is the uh, the biggest opportunity for, for dealers in sort of market adjacencies? Yeah, I mean, right now you've really got um, being able to kind of utilize um, – different aspects of the market. So you have, you know, popularity in, you know, off-road, including side-by-side and ATVs right now. And we've really seen kind of this push coming from some of the more maybe like uh, uh, overland-centric sectors, you know, where people are really looking to explore the outdoors and, you know, camping and RVing and building these overland vehicles. So a lot of different um, aspects of Honda's product really fit well into those uh, experiences. So people can put um, something like a, you know, a CRF 450L dirt bike on the back of their rig, um, or you can go out with your family in a, uh, you know, a Talon side-by-side, um, really kind of providing that that more family-oriented or exploratory-oriented outdoor experience. And um, we've really seen a huge growth in that sector. I mean, if you've been to anything like a, like an Overland Expo, you can just see how massive these events are and how much everybody loves to just get out and explore the outdoors. So that's a, a big aspect is that of that outdoor lifestyle. Yeah, you know, I actually got a chance to go to Overland up in Flagstaff a couple of years ago, and I was blown away not only by sort of the, the broad spectrum of what Overland means, um, but the cubic freaking dollars that were thrown in, into some of these vehicles. And, um, uh, but that said, how sort of welcoming it was. It was almost like being inside a race paddock, you know, where everyone's sort of competing for business, but everyone's sort of welcome in that category. And um, I definitely saw some uh, variety of sort of traditional, you know, dual sport bikes hanging off the back of these, uh, these massive motorhomes. Uh, but I also started seeing electric bicycles and electric motorcycles because they're getting charged by solar panels on these things as they, I don't know, drive as they commute through Antarctica or whatever their plan is on these things, right? Um, and, and so I'd like to bring in Mike here. Uh, on the Zero Motorcycle uh, brand, sort of the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of diversity of products. Now, granted, you guys are, is it 14 years old this year? Is that right? We are. Yeah. So I got that number right. Um, but the uh, on the opposite end of diversity, but you're really on the leading edge when it comes to electric motorcycle diversity uh, within your product lineup. So all of your products are street legal. Um, a bunch of them fall into dual sport, kind of supermoto-ish categories, that kind of thing. Um, can you... Uh, Oh, and then, of course, you guys just introduced that new SRF platform. But can oh, yeah. you guys speak to, like, who is the typical zero civilian customer, just sort of man or woman on the street? Yeah, so, so yeah, we, we of course, we don't deal in engines. We deal in motors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and, and definitely, the, uh, uh, everything that we sell is street legal. Uh, although some of our bikes, uh, as you well know, have been converted into strictly off-road but in order to qualify for the federal tax rebate, uh, 10%, and some of the state incentives that are out there, uh, it, of course, they're only applicable to, uh, to street bikes. But, of course, blinkers and, uh, and, and et cetera can be removed from the bike. 
but uh, as as far as as uh, uh, some of the new newer products and things that we have uh, on the market with the uh, uh, with the new SRF platform, we've had great success there. And uh, but but again, over the pandemic time frame, you know, off road has been the, the main focus. So you're seeing uh, growth in the smaller uh, FX platform, is that right? Yeah, the FX platform has been really strong, surprisingly strong. Uh, we we sold through the majority, and we had to uh, uh, to increase production of those models during the during the pandemic. Mm, that's really interesting. Um, my first motorcycle that I was absolutely in love with was a Honda, Colin. It was a Honda CB1 400. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really cool. Really cool bike. Got one of those ones I wish I hadn't lost. And I actually bought with my own money, uh, a, uh, a zero FX, which I just recently customized and had up in Sturgis. So I'm actually a fan of, of both of the brands. Um, Mike, are you, you know, you and I have been involved in the, uh, discover the ride program at the international motorcycle shows where we're training brand new riders for the first time on bikes. So are, are you seeing 100% new riders coming into the dealership seeking out uh, electric motorcycles? Not necessarily just from our program, but broadly speaking? Broad, broadly, I mean, we, we have three categories, you know, the enthusiasts. Uh, we also have a lot of returning riders, uh, a lot of folks that, uh, that rode back in the day. Uh, maybe the kids have moved out, their circumstances have changed. Uh, and uh, and they they want something that's that's low maintenance uh, that doesn't have uh, some of the complexity that that uh, that the gas powered bikes have. But we are getting a lot of new riders coming on board, and one of the main reasons that they cite for for going electric is the fact that we don't have a clutch. Uh, and the the second thing that they find after they buy the bike is that the maintenance costs and and uh, time required to maintain like so little relative to uh, uh, to the gas gas pumps. and I know Colin you guys have had some recent success with um, new small models the Grom was a hit I owned a Grom for a while um, my brother and I actually both we both bought a Grom but he lives 40 miles away from me so we rarely rode together and I, I realized two guys on two Groms was a race, and one guy on a Grom was just a jackass in traffic. That's what that's that's. <laughs> I ended up doing all sorts of stuff I shouldn't be doing on a mini bike in traffic. But uh, um, that uh, the the Super Cub I think is a really interesting um, you know uh, draw for new riders. It's it's a it's a bike that's been in Honda's history for a long time. Um, are you seeing where dealers are leveraging these new smaller products uh, in a way that you expected, or have there been some su- surprises in the in that lineup? Um, there definitely have been some surprises. I mean, the Grom for sure has really brought a huge number of younger riders in, especially at an affordable price point. I mean, it really makes it you know something where someone can get into motorcycling affordably. Um, and then there's also bikes like the Monkey and the Super Cub that appeal to some of the older riders who remember, oh, I remember my first Z50, this looks just like it. And they want to put around on. And um, I mean, you can't, we ride those little bikes, you can't help but smile. No matter what, you're just smiling ear to ear because it, it makes you feel like a kid. And so those mini moto lineup has been just 
dramatically successful. It's it's just been incredible. And how are dealers? Are you are you guys encouraging or finding ways to have dealers kind of market into new? Area, for instance, is there a, a college campus program or something like that that you guys are doing specific to these these entry level products? Um, we do have quite a few um, entry level programs, like a lot of, uh, for example, one of our corporate relations products is to work with uh, you know like the Boy Scouts programs and various um, schools and colleges to to provide either training vehicles for them to get people into to motorcycling. And um, just to kind of get people out on and riding, I mean, when you, the really gets the bug in people is getting the opportunity to, to get, you know, your wheels going around and get the chance to ride it. And of course, as, you know, as motorcyclists like myself, as soon as you ride something, you really kind of, it brings the sensation that you really just want to keep riding. So it, it really kind of helps the growth. And that was really the basis of our Discover the Ride program. Right which I'm sure you've seen that, uh, uh, Colin, at the IMS shows. Oh, yeah, uh, And uh, with, you know, the beauty of the electric bikes that we use is within five minutes, we can go in and reprogram it and it'll turn into a, you know, a wheelie supermoto monster. Um, <laughs> you know, but we, we have them set up to only go like 11 miles an hour. And then they, they accelerate very slowly up to that 11 miles an hour. So there's not that sort of uh, whiskey throttle that, that everybody's sort of scared of, you know, initially. Uh, and uh, I would love for Honda to experiment with a with a Super Cub, shift it down into first gear, and put a little bit of a spacer in the uh, the throttle body so it, it can only rotate a certain amount. And I guarantee you, you guys could uh, create a really interesting sort of discovery program, you know, on a closed course. Sure. Uh, and you know, and blow that up into a bigger audience, you know, and that's that's something that could be you know really easy to do with a bike that still uh, you know presents itself as a you know full on you know product as what it is. It's not like a you know a toy, right? Uh, sure. And I, I think that's that's pretty cool. So the um, yeah, Colin Honda has an opportunity to leverage just decades of brand name recognition. You know, these, many of these kids have been dropped off in grade school, and, you know, in a Honda Pilot or, you know, in a, in a minivan or, or whatever. Um, when there is the opportunity, when there's a car dealership and a motorcycle dealership in the same town, do you guys see any sort of correlative effect of that, positive effect of that? We definitely try to utilize that as much as possible. There are many um, dealers that are owned by the same groups and, and leverage those together. Um, on the, the corporate side, we also try to do the same thing in, um, you know, promoting, of course, our, you know, your toe in your talon with using your ridgeline or your pilot. And so it's really trying to, to utilize that kind of, uh, that you're part of the Honda family, you know, that you, you make something for everybody. And you really, whether you're, you want to go ride a dirt bike, whether you just need to get the kids to school, whether you need a backup generator or something to go camping with, um, really kind of having that full range of products. And we definitely encourage our, uh, our dealers to do so too, if they can. Um, they are definitely different segments of the business, but of course we try to, um, you know, mesh them together uh, to kind of create that, that whole Honda family. So in that in that Honda family, is it off road that's the most successful between those things? Um, definitely is because I mean you uh, when you 
like for example, when they were designing the ridgeline, one of the key factors was you know they had to make sure that you know you could load two Honda dirt bikes in the back. So that was you know part of that design, and the engineers really look at that across the whole lineup. And um, so being able to provide the product that will tow the other product or be able to use the other product is important to us. Yeah. So in in that categorical adjacency, you can climb up the Honda ladder, right? Yeah. Uh, you can you can start out on a little 50cc and you can be a Honda person all the way up to, you know, Goldwing and, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so not all dealers have that uh, are Honda dealers, obviously. Uh, and so how important is it in your mind, not just to Honda, but just to just to a power sports dealer in general? How important is it to have those sort of uh, those stair steps so that uh, somebody will keep coming back to the dealership? I think it's extremely important, especially in like the off-road segment. Um, you really have, I mean, I'll speak for myself and many people I know is the first motorcycle I ever rode was a Honda 50. And, um, you know, just getting that kind of initial experience. And then, you know, a few years later, you move up to something else and being able to provide the next step uh, for that person is, is key. And I mean, you do also see a lot of people, you know, they get, uh, something else in life happens, you get kids and other stuff, maybe you, you leave the segment for a while, but then being able to offer something for them to come back to as well. Uh, so we have a, you know, sometimes a lot of performance oriented product and much more of a, maybe the average customer product, someone either, you know, do as a casual rider or kind of getting back into it. So providing both ends of the spectrum. That's cool. Mike, Mike, you guys are in an interesting position because um, right now, currently, there's no major brand uh, outside of Zero. Zero is the most significant brand with uh, the widest variety of electric motorcycle offerings. Um, so I imagine, I'm a, if I put myself into dealer development shoes for a minute here, um, I imagine that going in and talking um, to a dealer about adding the zero brand to an existing lineup within their shop speaks a lot to adjacency speaks a lot to well you have existing gas customers and you could potentially bring in some electric customers can you can you speak to that well that yeah, challenge it, a little bit yeah it's it it is a challenge in a way but it's also an opportunity you know one of the things that that in the dealer development side that we bring to uh, to power sports dealers is 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 really a new customer uh, or the opportunity to to acquire new customers. You know, we have a, a our customers are uh, you know in their upper thirties, lower forties, uh, high education, good incomes, and that sort of thing. But they're not they're not the folks that necessarily that would come in and look to buy uh, a gas powered bike. But at the same time, we also have this other this other group of of just enthusiasts like you. You know, I mean, you've ridden gas bikes all your life. You thought it was cool. You took one for a ride. You added one to your stable. And and we see a lot of that, particularly in the European uh, dealerships that we uh, coexist with. Uh, customer comes in, brings their German or British bike in. Uh, the the dealer. Uh, principal flips the keys to a zero to them uh, to ride home for the night, and the next thing you know, there's a zero in their garage parked next to their to their German uh, German motorcycle. 
Yeah, I yeah. think it's it, it, interesting to note that um, Zero is in, is it 30 countries right now? Yeah, yeah, we are. And and yeah. that's, I mean, that's a lot bigger than a lot of people realize. Um, and, uh, and, and what, do you know off the top of your head, what percentage of those dealers are, are zero only, dedicated zero dealers versus mixed in with other brands? You know, I can speak for the Americas. We only have a couple of dealers that are, uh, that are solos or single line zero. You know, we're a good fit with, with, with all different power sports brands. Uh, you know, we, we tend to gravitate towards the European uh, guys because the, the sales process and the customer is kind of more similar uh, uh, than the multi-line uh, stores that handle the Japanese products. But it's not, it's not unheard of. You know, really what we need is, is we, we have a cool program. Uh, you know, my background uh, is, is being a dealer principal for many years. So what, what we do is, is our, our philosophy is, is we, we want dealers to only take on uh, a handful of demo, uh, demo bikes and, uh, and not a year stock or a six month stock. And we ask them to use those bikes as a marketing tool to get people get butts on seats uh, as everybody tries to accomplish. And then what we do, because we're building these motorcycles in California, is we we keep them in a in a warehouse in the East Bay, and then as they sell, we ship. So there's not a huge inventory requirement on the part of the dealers. So so we'll, you know we're we're pioneers in the fact that uh, you know we're really the only uh, company out there that sells uh, electric motorcycles or a vast array of them, uh, and uh, and we. We know that electric is going to be a big piece of the motorcycle industry. And we give dealers an opportunity, progressive dealers, uh, an opportunity to plant the flag in their communities uh, and in their marketplaces to become the dealer for electric. Uh, and that's, that's one of the advantages that we, we offer uh, the power sports industry. Plus, they're just cool as hell to ride. Yeah, they are. They are. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. All right. So, Colin, here's here's my chance for a scoop. Are you currently planning any product events at the base of a wind farm or anything like that? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> um, as for us, not at the moment. I mean, definitely, um, you know, the R&D side is always looking at those things. Um, for us, we want to make sure that if we bring something to market along those lines, it, that it's affordable it meets with the honda kind of uh, ethos and standards that um it, it provides the product that people want at the right price so that's the biggest thing for us right now is taking a look at at, at the possibility you know years down the road of what we can provide um to the the customer that we know is a honda customer that we can provide a good product at the right price uh, and we just don't think that it's quite there yet in that aspect you know i mean some of the, the technology does need to advance a little bit further um, before it is into the, the affordable range that we're uh, willing to kind of put out there to market. Ladies and gentlemen, you see why Colin gets to be PR manager for Honda, and I'm never going to get hired in that position because I definitely would have uh, uh, hinted that something was coming just so that everyone was hanging on by their fingernails. But then I would have gotten in trouble for my boss, right? So. <laughs> Um, I want to speak a little bit to uh, governmental adjacencies. This is kind of our last little topic here. Uh, Mike, um, I know that uh, uh, Zero has a police model um, yes. and uh, sort of um, 
government units, if you will. Are there military products as well? How, how important is that sector for, it's, for zero? It, it's definitely a smaller, uh, a smaller uh, market for us. And it's mostly special operations groups in, uh, in various countries that use the, uh, the MMX, which is the only off-road product we sell, but we only, only sell it to military. But it's got, it's equipped with like slings to be put on helicopters and that sort of thing. But it's, uh, it's proven to be a very uh, useful tool to, to the special ops groups around the world. All right. And Colin, I was definitely pulled over by an officer on a ST1300 a while back. And full disclosure, it was on my it was it was on my bicycle. You definitely want to <laughs> fully stop at the stop sign. That's a pro tip for you people out there. Uh, but do you, uh, yeah, that's a pro tip. Okay, <laughs> but um, uh, is Honda still in sort of that adjacent um, government uh, business? In maybe even in side by sides and off road. Are you, are you competitive in that area? I mean, we still definitely sell, um, you know, ST 1300s uh, police model. So it's a very specific model geared towards police departments and the requirements that they have in regards to, um, you know, electrical output and the way it's connectors, everything are set up. Um, but there's a lot of other aspects, like you mentioned, uh, ATVs and side by sides that agencies purchase. Um, you have, you know, the United States is a huge place with lots of uh, vast areas. And there's a lot of agencies that patrol those areas. Um, need some off-road products. So we have a lot of products that fill those areas as well. So, I mean, especially on ATV and side-by-sides and, and government agencies are always uh, utilizing Honda vehicles. So is yeah. that then, depending on the dealership, is that then an opportunity for a dealer to make a make more money? Does it, Or is that um, a higher maintenance thing? How, do, how does that work for your dealer base? Um, no, it definitely provides a good aspect because you know that, um, you know, with a lot of government agencies and things, they will... You know, they have rules in regards to how they maintain their vehicles. So, you know that if you're, um, if you're working with those agencies, that they're going to continue to bring their product into your dealer, uh, continue to maintain it, and you can kind of work with them on, you know, it to replace their product, being able to that. So, it's definitely a plus for those dealers that, um, that really will work with those groups. Okay. And Mike, for the, uh, for the few uh, police agencies in the area, is that usually a boost for the local dealer? Yeah. I mean, what we do is, is, is we have a director level position in our company that only works with uh, authority vehicles. So we attend all of the, a, a lot of the uh, police, national police events and all that sort of thing. We actually have motorcycles in 117 police agencies in the US. Uh, so it's a big business uh, and for us. And, and all the sales are transacted to the dealers. So we just, we just literally shipped, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a small order, but it was, it was eight units to uh, a federal agency. And well, actually we shipped them to the dealer and he's delivering them to a federal agency in the DC area next week. So, and the, the margin on that stuff, because of all the accessories, et cetera, is, is pretty, pretty good. It's really mm -hmm. good as a matter of fact, but we've had, you know, we've had tremendous success with our authority products around the world too. And Costa Rica, um, you know, companies like Walmart are now insisting, uh, in Costa Rica that they're, that the, the, uh, parking lots and everything be patrolled by electric vehicles, not mm -hmm. gas. So we're starting to see more of that, uh, particularly with some of the large, large uh, security companies, 
they're uh, they're buying more and more product around the world. That's interesting. All right, guys. Well, um, I, I posed this question to uh, everybody who's on our show, and that is if you guys individually had all of the dealers in one room at one time uh, and you could give them a piece of advice from your personal experience, um, what piece of advice would you give to the entire entire U.S. dealer base, Mike? I'll put you on the spot first. Oh wow, that's 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 a hard one. I mean, there's a there's a big list. I think that I I still feel like, and I've been in the industry for for damn near fifty years. I I still don't think that we as an industry and our dealers and our OEMs, all of us collectively, I don't think that we invite enough people in to to join our quote unquote club i think that we uh we need to be more customer centric uh and not so much hobbyists we need to uh uh to be more inclusive and uh and make a bigger tent and bring in more new riders particularly because we're going to need them colin i think that uh, much along the lines of what mike was saying i mean um and especially with uh, kind of a new generation of riders, you know, the, the current generation of people who ride motorcycles, they're already enthusiasts. So um, really, you know, dealers should try to concentrate on people who maybe reach out online, who really um, kind of maybe just have, they're dipping their toe in the water to, to find out and um, and being able to embrace them and try to, you know, make them feel welcomed um, and really bring them in to explore you know, motorcycles, how much fun it can be. Um, I think that sometimes that does get maybe overlooked by the, the person sitting in front of you. But I think being able to, uh, to, to bring in that younger customer, someone who's maybe just doing, you know, a little bit of information research is going to be key to keeping uh, motorcycling kind of popular with the next generation. Yeah, and I think That's that just, just as a last comment there, uh, you know, what you've done to, to develop and IMS has done to promote uh, Discover the Ride, because I know it's costly, <laughs> uh, has been, I think, amazing. And uh, and I think that it it bodes well for the industry to see that that there are groups that are taking the initiative and spending the money and, uh, to uh, to try to bring in new riders and, and make it a more inclusive group as opposed to an exclusive group. Well, thanks for that compliment. We uh, definitely have a lot of people working on that program, and uh, we've got support, obviously, from Zero and all of the uh, Japanese brands currently. Everybody has um, a carpeted area with beginning motorcycles on there and, and staff to talk to people. So it's definitely an indicator of what we can do together to, uh, instead of worrying about taking somebody else's piece of the pie, just make the pie bigger. Um, to the point of adjacent markets i'd just like to end this conversation on i think our biggest single opportunity in market adjacencies is to pay more attention to female ridership i think that's the number one thing that we could do across all brands across all uh, categories uh, is for us to be better at understanding what it is female riders uh, want in a, not only in a product, but in an experience and in accessories and, and what their concerns are and, and how to get them in. So, uh, I would say that as far as our biggest adjacency opportunity for the dealer base out there is to do a better job 
um, cultivating that that female ridership, and uh, I think that's that's a huge opportunity for us. So I want to thank both of our guests very much, uh, Mike Cunningham of Zero Motorcycles, Colin Miller from Honda Motorcycles. Thanks to you guys for joining us. These are two powerhouse brands, both in their respective fields. Um, the conversation was all about market adjacency, so we encourage you guys to think about different ways to sell some of these same products into new areas. Let us know what you think about that. You can sign up for our e-newsletter. It'll come straight into your inbox, and uh, you can sign up for that at continuetheride.com, where you can listen to other podcast episodes. The next episode of Center Stand is going to dive into smart marketing tactics and how far can automatic marketing go. I want to thank you guys for listening. All my friends and colleagues out there, we will see you down the road. Keep